I had a good chat with a friend today that helped me. Every once in a while, we need to be centered. We need to be brought back to center to gain perspective. And that's what this friend helped me do. He helped me gain perspective in this time of information overload. You see, I have my own perspective from everything that I've witnessed, seen, researched. But other people have their perspective from what they've seen, from what they've heard, from what they've researched. And it's important when we discuss these topics of the day that we always remember that each person has their own perspective. And we have to find ways to reach some sort of common ground. This is a special episode. We're going to talk a lot about my perspective and what I've seen. We're not going to censor anything. We're not going to worry about algorithms. Let's get into this show. Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Yeah, yeah, that's me. You know the drill. Here I am. Thank you for finding me. Let's keep in mind that this is a community. If you are a first-time listener, what we're trying to do here is build a community together of all kinds of people, whether you have a blue background of political beliefs, red background of political beliefs, or you're some gosh-darn curmudgeon libertarian. Let's all come together and try to seek truth and facts. One thing I saw uh, today that I thought was kind of interesting was a, uh, a guy giving a instructional, uh, you know, one of those graphical slides on the power of persuasion. And he talked about it from the hierarchy of persuasion. And what was interesting was that on the bottom, the least persuasive method, um, if you're trying to persuade, educate, trying to bring people along to a particular thought, thread, narrative, the least persuasive way is through logic. The most persuasive way is through emotion. And now, possibly with that, you can see where all of these narratives come from that are out there, where we're, we're asking people to give up freedoms to save other people, even if it's not quite clear how they're saving other people. They're appealing through emotion, and these people are convinced easily through the powers of emotion, emotional storytelling. Logic is the least persuasive method. So I guess I'm screwed, right? Because this show is all about bringing logic and common sense to this crazy universe. But we are going to get into it today. We are going to get into it in this particular show in ways, frankly, I've avoided. I've avoided talking about a lot of topics. You know, sometimes I get worried, ooh, am I going to get my platform taken away from me by the tech oligarchs? Are they going to censor me? And so many of us are censored in that way. 
we self-censor out of fear, fear for, for losing our voice, fear for losing this platform. Lately, I've, I've determined that it just doesn't matter. I've never been one to try to game the algorithms, okay? You're not going to see my videos tops on the YouTube charts. My algorithm is what I do every day. My algorithm is putting postcards on windshields. My algorithm is talking to real people and mentioning my podcast. My algorithm is my own voice, whether it be digitally or out there on the terrestrial plane. That's my algorithm. And I'm going to stick with that because that builds strong communities. And that's what we're trying to do here is build a community. So, Fuck the algorithm today. Fuck self-censorship. Everything in this podcast is going to be backed up with links and imagery in the show notes. If you're not familiar with what the show notes are, go to theconservativehippie.com, click on the episode. It's basically a written article as well as this podcast. The Summer of Disclosure. Part 1. Hard to Look Away Let's start with the audience hall, completed in 1971, that lies partially in the Vatican City and Italy. An interesting building. Paul VI Audience Hall, also known as the Hall of the Pontifical Audiences. This hall is dominated by a giant 88-ton bronze and copper alloy structure at the head named the Resurrection. Oh, by the way, the hall was built on land donated by the Knights of Columbus. The Catholics sure do have a lot of orders and knights. Started in 1882, blah, 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 only practicing Catholic men, blah, 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 and it's a financial services company. Yeah, pretty weird, huh? The Knights of Columbus operates one of the largest insurance companies in the world with over 100 billion in active policies. It's funny, I was just watching a lecture about how we should forget about the Rothschilds of the world because the world is run by insurance companies. Oh well, back to the point. Check out the 88-ton sculpture at the head of the conference hall. And remember, all links and photos associated with this podcast will be in the show notes for this episode at theconservativehippie.com. The sculpture. Bones and skulls seem to be exploding outward as if being fragmented by a nuclear explosion. The representation of Jesus has a head that seems to be ripped apart. Some comments on Reddit about the sculpture. Just surprisingly dark by choice. It's depressing as hell. Would you show kids this? Hey kids, this is being saved. It's massive, it's dark, and the Pope sits under it and speaks to members at his audience hall. Okay, I've always thought Catholics are a bit weird, but it's just a sculpture. But that's when you notice the actual structure itself. The inside of the entire audience hall appears to mimic a snake-like reptile creature. It's true. Go and look for yourself. The darkness in the 
metaphors is bizarre and shaking. Forget the religion for a second. Look at it this way. In the 70s, one of the richest, most powerful organizations in the world built an audience hall with creepy as fuck symbols. The Vatican City is a country, did you know that? And it has its own bank, one that is fraught with secrecy and illegality. Here is a quote from a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, of course, linked in the show notes. The long, scandal-tainted Vatican Bank has been overhauled over the last decade to ward off tax evaders and money launderers. Now it must convince legitimate customers inside the Vatican and out that it has something to offer them. Money laundering and tax evasion. Oh, those pesky Catholics. Good thing they are cleaning up their financial matters. They've proven to be good at cleaning things up, right? I hear you. Get to the point, man. What does weird architecture and creepy Catholics have to do with anything? The Catholic Church has been dominating this planet for hundreds of years. I love this thought experiment. What religion is almost every Mexican-American you know? Catholic, ding, ding, ding. Now, I want you to think about why and how. Oh, yeah. 500 years ago was a bloody mess. As we begin, I just wanted you to conceptualize the enormity of what could be considered a global cabal of special interests. It has its own country. It has disciples all over the globe. It runs some of the most powerful financial institutions on the planet. Part 2. Pizzagate was real. Can I introduce you to the Podestas? You're probably familiar with the name. Two brothers who were able to rise to great heights within the Democratic Party. I grabbed this from a Washington Post article that sums up the brothers Podesta well. Tony Podesta was a respected lobbyist and a fundraiser for Democratic candidates. His younger brother, John, served as Bill Clinton's White House chief of staff and as a senior counsel to Barack Obama. Together, they were the most powerful brother act in liberal politics since the Kennedys. <laughs> I had to leave in the line about since the Kennedys just for the unintended comedic brilliance of the phrase. I had heard of John Podesta because he was a bigwig in the Clinton campaign structure. Think of John Podesta to Hillary Clinton as Karl Rove was to George Bush. But he also operated for different camps with the Democratic Party. He advised Obama during his presidency as well. Politics have always interested me, but beyond press releases and knowing the shadow characters' names, I hadn't looked into the actual people before. But John's emails were hacked, and a lot of salacious rumors came out regarding the contents of his secret communications. Little side note, yes to you people screaming into the speaker or screen, the emails were leaked, not hacked. I get it. But the Seth Rich theory and the cyber analysis of VIPs will have to wait for another day. 
We don't want to scare off the normies just yet, if I haven't already. WikiLeaks released a huge amount of data in 2016. Within the trove of documents were John Podesta's emails. Internet sleuths were making a big deal about code words they saw in the emails that didn't make any sense. They created alarming events attached to references to cheese pizza and hot dogs. There was a bizarre email about a map and a handkerchief. The mainstream media was able to take the further extreme theories and package them up into a nice debunked pile of spoon-fed sleep programming. But there was something there in all the mess of hyperbolic, salacious conspiracy. As I looked into the characters and places involved in Pizzagate, something was crystal clear. These were some weirdos into some creepy stuff my Southwest Washington hick ass had never heard of before. There was James Elephantus, owner of Comet Ping Pong. Somehow a pizza shop owner was named by GQ magazine as one of the top 50 most powerful people in Washington, D.C. Must be quite a chef. And he dated David Brock, the notorious founder of Media Matters. But Alephantis was just a guy. I don't have time for a rabbit hole on him personally. It was his establishment that was so intriguing. I'll just leave a photo from James, a.k.a. Jimmy Comet's Instagram. That, of course, would be in the show notes. There were weird concerts and events held at Comet Ping Pong that implied a more seedy punk art scene than a family pizzeria. Satanic-type bands and events. But it was a close relationship with an artist that took me down a rabbit hole I won't forget. Marina Abramovich was a regular featured artist at Comet Ping Pong. Marina creates events centered around something called spirit cooking. And she was famous for it, apparently. Lady Gaga went to an event where the patrons ate food in the form of a human. Avant-garde for sure. Creepy, totally. But art is art. It's the positioning of these cannibalistic and pedophilic images centered around a pizza joint that got people so intrigued. All right, back to the Podestas because I found out through my Pizzagate research that they were big fans of Abramovich and a certain type of art. Almost all of the art pieces available to view by the public on the internet owned by the Podestas have been scrubbed. But what I saw were a consistent theme of paintings and sculptures that represented children, bondage, and the overall mutilation of the human form. The media always jumped at the most hyperbolic interpretation of Pizzagate to debunk it. But Pizzagate was really about opening a window into the disturbed lives and tastes of the top rung of the Democratic Party. If these people were neighbors, you would keep your eye on them and instruct your kids to never be alone with any of them. That much was clear. Part 3. Symbols I'm not sure if you are hanging in there with me. I know some people will say I'm not going far enough, because believe me, there's so much more to that last segment. And I know some people are already rolling their eyes at the information the back of their head desperately wants to ignore. 
let's change it up with some symbols or logos. Symbolic imagery is easy to look past when one or two come across your view. Easily explained away as coincidence or related to common geometric structure. However, once you tie in FBI published research, secret societies hundreds of years old, and corporate dominance within our economic structure, well, you have to start taking note. In the show notes, I have an image of FBI research associated with common symbols of pedophilia. Did you even know pedophiles had symbols they used to identify themselves to others? I didn't until I researched Pizzagate. But it's the symbols that can allow you to get away from fact and logic. Because hearts and triangles are clearly common geometric shapes to building branding, right? Right? Just because the Pope wears some sort of hooded shawl with the boy lover symbol all over it doesn't mean he is announcing to the world he or the church represent boy lovers. And there isn't any corroborating evidence of pedophilia within the Catholic Church, is there? No way, right, Normie? Alas, of course, the triangles represent the Holy Trinity, of course! Only mere coincidence that the FBI published a report identifying the exact triangle shape as a sign of boy love. Whatever you do, don't research the pedophilia symbols built into the imagery of Walt Disney Company. Don't do it. Why would you even be tempted? Walt Disney Company is a happy fun time group of entertainers looking to uplift children's spirits with solid entertainment packaging. Bella Thorne was a Disney star. She said this about her experience. But it, it is what it is. Like, it's like anything in my life. I mean, if you read the book, you'll be like, <laughs> transitioning from Disney to this was fucking easy. I don't know. Getting molested for fucking from your six to your 14 seems like way harder circumstances or being physically abused all the time seems like a much more difficult situation than fucking have paparazzi following you since you were 12. I don't know. I was still being molested when paparazzi were still fucking following me. So it's pretty hard in my mind to think about these big flashlight photographs and everyone thinking they know me and talking about me, but having no idea the type of mistreatment that I was still dealing with at that time that everyone around me saw and did nothing. So I don't know. You tell me what's so hard because that to me way harder than any other of this other shit that I do on a daily basis. Children, the most vulnerable people in our society. And yet we watch and even economically support large institutions that constantly spit out warning signs of abuse and mistreatment. Some would say they even flaunt it in your face with their symbols, as if there is nothing you or I can do about it. Don't forget, Harvey Weinstein was a mega-dem donor loved by the Clintons. Once again, take a look at the show notes at theconservativehippie.com. I've got another image of lots of interesting brands and their logos. This podcast is not meant to spoon-feed you on all these particular issues. Just 
make a few notes to get you curious and look into them yourself. From the Apple App Store to numerous iconic Google brand logos, symbols of the occult and secret societies are everywhere in our physical and digital world. Part 4. Q Then came Q. Many people were exactly like me, trying to make sense of this strange world where nefarious characters were casting giant stones at Donald Trump, and the media was participating in cheerleading instead of honestly reporting the facts. The shadowy figures of Pizzagate flowed right into the behind-the-scenes citizen journalist narrative the Q board was promoting. Trust your instincts. Dig down on topics and find facts without being spoon-fed the corporatist media gruel. Russiagate was in full swing, but it wasn't Russiagate as most of the world thought. It was actually Spygate. The Q board, as esoteric as it was, gave breadcrumbs that pierced through the veil of the modern media apparatus. John Solomon was writing for The Hill. He had the best information that flipped the Russiagate story to the reality of Spygate. Do you know how John Solomon got tipped onto the real story? It's pretty amazing the way he tells it. Supposedly, he had official-looking men roll up in an unmarked car. The way John tells the story is as if the men were clearly military or official in some highly classified capacity. Without giving away any classified information, these anonymous men pointed John in a few directions and suggested some things to look into. Now forget about the Russiagate and Spygate nonsense for a second. I just heard John Solomon, who at the time had the best information and was tapped right into the narrative that unfolded over the course of the next couple years. I just heard him tell a story about anonymous military types pushing him onto the story. Doesn't that give the aura of a Q group some legitimacy just by putting two and two together? It's four, by the way. The Q board gave hints and clues to all types of information threads seemingly unreported in the mainstream media, from salacious photos within the Epstein narrative to arms-dealing corruption within the Obama administration. And every once in a while, there would be a drop that would contain shocking information associated with religion and symbols. One of Q's famous phrases is, symbolism will be their downfall. If you wanted to see real photos of Barack Obama in a Baphomet devil costume that you were never supposed to see, the Q-Board was the only game in town. The Q-Board was probably the first place that connected Ed Buck and Congressman Adam Schiff. You remember Ed Buck? He's the big-time Democratic donor who picked up black homeless guys off the street, fed them too much meth, and raped them. He was a big supporter of Adam Schiff. He didn't go to jail after murdering the first black homeless man that he overdosed and raped. But big-time party politics couldn't keep old Ed out of jail the next time he overdosed, raped, and murdered a black homeless man. The cue board 
was on top of that relationship before Ed was even brought down. The best picture you have to look up when you do your own verification research is the one where Ted Lieu, a representative from California, is holding an award with Ed Buck in front of a banner. The League of Humane Voters. I mean, you can't make this shit up. The cue board helped a lot of people understand the world better. Perhaps you felt the same pain when Adam Schiff would come out from a classified Senate intelligence meeting and tell the American people Trump is in league with the Russians. He's seen the information and it's bad. But then on the same day, Devin Nunes would come out of the same meeting sounding alarm bells on the exculpatory information he just received. It couldn't be both ways. Adam Schiff was lying. Was it a social bubble of misinformation? The mainstream media was involved in full-blown attack against President Trump, but the people they were providing the megaphone to were clearly lying. The first three years of the Trump presidency were some of the strangest times I've ever witnessed. In many ways, the cue board helped people like me that wanted to know the whys and the hows of the situation with a little more depth and context. It was like a research Kickstarter. Part 5. Context. I feel like I'm losing you. Let's get one thing straight. I am the conservative hippie. If I had to call a political party my home, it would be the libertarians. Individual rights, anti-war, anti-corruption are the pillars of my political beliefs. Just 20 years ago, I was fighting the Bush administration from the same kickback government spending and war profiteering I'm fighting with the current Democrats about. But things are more clear after Trump, aren't they? You can see the two sides more clearly now. It's the same double-sided coin. We knew the liberties taken in the war on terrorism were going to come back and bite the American people. Both parties have put us in this situation. But Trump broke through the establishment Republican lines, and the Democrats fortified their monopoly on party politics. I knew when I voted for Trump in 2016, it was like throwing a grenade into the political system. Wow, I had no idea it would be such a powerful explosion of light in such a dark place. Part 6. COVID Changed Everything The first three years of the Trump administration were dominated by Russiagate which fell flat in the end because it was truly Spygate all along. Warming up in the batter's box was quid pro Joe with a mess of issues in Ukraine left over from his vice presidential years. But once again, Democratic leadership flipped the truth on its head and forcefully entered the impeachment hoax into the public zeitgeist. Lost in all the impeachment shenanigans was perhaps Trump's shining moment during his first term. As if the Dems were led by an evil genius, hint, the official impeachment walk of shame was performed at the exact time Trump was delivering his address to the UN General Assembly. 
in that address, he laid out a wonderful vision of the world based on national sovereignty with respect for culture and competition. It was a clear rebuke of globalism and the coming Great Reset. I covered it in episode 41 of the Conservative Hippie Podcast. They told you what they were going to do the whole time. Obstruct, resist, and delay. Impeachment was silly, based on an anonymous whistleblower at the time, in the face of declassified transcripts. Surely the gig was up, we all thought. Hammer time. Here comes the pain. But, almost as if there was a plan developed by an evil genius, hint, hint, COVID-19 hit the world just as the Trump administration was free from sham legal proceedings and hoax challenges. Just amazing the way that series of events played out. Once again, if you were paying attention, even the COVID crisis provided another peek through the corporate government fascist partnership Panopticon Curtain. But, Unfortunately, too many aren't paying attention. Fear sells. Remember that hierarchy of persuasion I spoke about in the intro? Your global overlords once again took you to the bargaining table with the safety for freedom in trade for fear. At each point, we should hold freedom, but fear translates so well in an emotional story of persuasion. COVID is such a hot-button issue. Forget about the firm claims and deep data research. In this chaos of medical emergency, someone can always find refuting data. The chaos is the conflicting information. Let's just keep it simple. Why were therapeutics broadly dismissed and even falsely attacked? Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have been proven to be effective at both mitigating symptoms of COVID-19 infection, but also as a prophylactic against the virus. Both drugs are super cheap, off-patent, and could widely be distributed across the globe. Perhaps the former speaks more to the motive than the latter. Fear is the tool Fear of terrorists built the bones of the prison. Now medical fear pours the concrete into the panopticon tomb of societal observation and obedience. Part 7. Whistleblower. The Dark Night Rises. Pizzagate and Q provided a channel of self-disciplined investigation. Many independent journalists became consumed to broadcast the growing threat of global totalitarianism. The two webs, Whitney and George, provided detailed investigations exposing the grand corruption and coordination at a granular level. But when you are in the weeds, it's easy to get lost, and the information can be engulfed by a sterilizing spray from the outer prison walls. Contractors claiming to be a part of the Q Group came out of the shadows at the same time. One Austin Steinbart, a computer geek with a sassy style and interesting packets of information. The second, Jake and Jelly, 
the Q shaman, popped up at major protest events chanting and spreading the message of Q through his vibrational presence, both of them jailed by the FBI for their efforts. Through the fog of information warfare, it's the whistleblowers that have stood out from all others in this battle for the sleeping American mind. Dr. Jonathan McGreevy has come out with first-hand information that relates to the corrupt shadow networks lurking within all three branches of government. He was a henchman. He performed bad deeds on behalf of the enemies within. His words as a whistleblower name names, and they crash into the conscious slumber like a mallet directly to the head. I discussed his coming out on episodes 64 and 65 of the Conservative Hippie Podcast. The information is almost too hot to hold, too blunt to pierce the veil. Two whistleblowers stood out from the crowd, Patrick Berge and Terpeshore Mares, better known as Berge and Tory. Watch Shadowgate. Produced and directed by a husband and wife team, The Weavers, they turn the whistleblower testimony of Berge and Tory into a well-made documentary about the intelligence structure behind bureaucratic and corporate walls of reality. Berge is a contractor, an IT guy. He participated in intelligence operations in foreign lands and got to see firsthand the information warfare techniques used by our intelligence community. Tori is a more complex character. I like to describe her as a project manager in the shadow intelligence world. She is, was, a planner and an operation coordinator. A shadowy figure in a dark world. Tori uses words from the Q operation as if she owns them. She speaks about broad global events from a position of understanding. Not understanding the first visceral layer, but she relates an understanding of the mechanics and substructures creating the visceral reality. Our techniques and implements carried out by our runaway intelligence agencies in foreign lands was turned inward on us. That's the message of Shadowgate. That's the message of these whistleblowers. Tori chose Twitch and Telegram as her current platform of choice to broadcast to the masses. I've got links to everything in the show notes, of course. This kind of information is not for sensitive souls. Tori has a speaking style that is off-putting. Conflicts with recognition versus service constantly come out in an ugly, public, internal, psychological battle. Her tone is condescending. She is the grand chess master, and she isn't shy about putting people in their place. Tori is a swamp creature. A swamp monster, as she puts it. Of course she is going to be ugly. She comes from an ugly world. She has done ugly things. But she is trying. We, the American people, have our own swamp monster willfully battling on our behalf in a domain we weren't even willing to acknowledge we created. 
Part 8. At the Edge of the Cliff Now here we are, at the edge of the cliff. We can't see the bottom, but we have to jump. With faith. We have to jump. With faith. Everything is going to be okay. This is my perspective. I've taken this fire hose of information straight to the face for years now. I've watched as dark lies told by slimy swamp creatures were disinfected with light. But the masses were too busy consuming the next tall dark tale to notice or comprehend the previous lie told. I haven't mentioned the election in this piece. Why? Because it's fucking obvious, you numbnuts. We don't need to spell it out anymore. It's right in front of your face. Open your eyes. Jump into the light. It's going to be okay. Okay, that was harsh. We all have our own perspective and take different paths to the truth. I've literally had people tell me they think something squirrely happened with 9-11, but they need more proof of election fraud. Sometimes the conscious act of self-protection is counter to the truth of the subconscious, actively attacking what they know is true to protect their worldview. It only perpetuates consumption of the next big lie. The self-censorship of truth to protect themselves from what must be done. Ignorance in exchange for responsibility. The longer it takes these people to turn around and face the truth, the more pain we must all endure on the journey to freedom. Part 9. Summer of Disclosure Over the years, I battled a lot of people that were in my community of truth seekers. Trust the plan. Patriots in control. Ten days of darkness. These phrases repeated from visceral reaction without layered diagnosis. I see it clearly now from my perspective. We are in the summer of disclosure, as I've phrased it. Amid the chaos is a clear window of sight. All of the whistleblowers elude to a dark world at the top of our bureaucratic structure. We built this structure. We can bring it down. And we can rebuild it. The power of the people is an unstoppable force for good. But we have to acknowledge our responsibility in the perversion we created. I used a phrase, jump into the light, earlier. I made, it made me think about Poltergeist the movie. Was Carol Ann supposed to follow the light or stay away from the light? I can't remember. Do you know how that sweet child died? Heather O'Rourke died at the age of 12 from septic shock due to congenital stenosis of the lower intestine. That's the official story. A Hollywood whistleblower has another story you can read. I've linked it in the show notes. 
some investigators scoff at the birth defect theory and point out that sepsis can be caused by a perforation in the colon. We have it all. Nothing can stop what is coming. More bold phrases from the cue board to delight the masses. But is it true? Do patriots have all the compromat from the Epsteins of the world? Is it possible that nothing can stop what is coming isn't about an attack against the cabal, but instead a simple warning about the truth? So many narratives are driving to a conclusion at this very conjuncture in time. The fraudulent election is about to have its first official spray of disinfectant. The unstoppable cabal is about to meet head-on with an immovable object. Forced vaccinations and vaccine passports. And there is an apparent countdown to the release of heavily guarded information that pierce the protective veil of the Matrix for people who aren't ready for it. Jump! Step off the cliff! Perhaps there is freedom at the bottom. A Telegram channel claiming to be operated by John McAfee has begun a document drop clock. The timing is unclear, but the channel released an older video from a year ago that tapped right into the root of the Q movement. Sometimes when I go down these wormholes of information, I am shocked at how much information is publicly available and for how long people have been trying to expose darkness to the light. The video is shocking, but it offers more breadcrumbs of information investigation than does it rip off a bandage off a festering wound. But I believe it was just a soft opening. A day later, the McAfee channel dropped images of file titles with implications that they were set to be shared. McAfee often spoke about his dead man switch that would release 31 terabytes of information upon his passing. The Afterlife Telegram channel has also been using Q phrases. The letter Q showed up on McAfee's Instagram channel the day he died. The file names are as follows. Kono, Little St. James, Mother Lode, Nakamoto, and Seti Serendip. It is my belief that the document drop is real, but instead of truth, more chaos will ensue until finally a breaking point is reached where the American people lead the world in rebuilding societal organizations. Or we give in to total totalitarian control. McAfee Afterlife isn't the only potential source of this hidden information. Inevitably, others will come out to release their own information. Of course, bad information will be released to muddy the waters and further confuse the public. To make it through, we must reconnect with our local physical community. This is at the forefront of the Tory messaging, and I have been preaching it for nearly a year. Stand up and make your voice heard. 
not with a sign on a corner or by yelling at your neighbor. Use the tools of the system against them. Make formal complaints. Lobby your representative. Participate in your school board and city council. Most importantly, get together and reconnect away from the digital space. The most important thing we can do is forgive. Do not be the I told you so guy or girl. People come to information and understanding at their own speed and timing. We must be there to forgive them and help them when they wake up. Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokinJays.com. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.